Well, hey, good morning, everyone. How are we doing? Yeah? Awesome. You guys, how many of y'all are already lost in thought on all the great food we're going to have for Thanksgiving? My goodness. How many of y'all are traveling to go out of town for Thanksgiving this week? All right. How many of y'all are staying home? I guess that's the obvious other question. Some of y'all didn't raise your hand on either. I have no idea what you're going to do, but I'm sure it's going to be really fun to watch that happen if you're not going or staying. (laughs) My goodness gracious, what a great, what a great day we're going to have today in the presence of God. We are uh, in the middle of a series called Unshakable, and we've been focusing on how to have a solid foundation in our walk with God. So that when all the junk that happens in life, because you know sometimes junk happens in life, right? Everybody say junk. Yeah, when junk happens in life, um, not everybody is able to stay consistent in their walk with God. We don't want that to be the case here at Eastgate Church. We want to make sure that we're doing our best to equip you to be able to live this life the way that God intended for you to live this life. Overcoming every issue, every obstacle that comes at you. And we believe that you can do that because the Word of God says that you can do that. So we've been looking at just some foundational things in our walk with God um, that a lot of times gets forgotten or gets overlooked. And we've been focusing on those things so that as we implement those foundational things into our lives, we're able to stand when the storms of life and all the attacks of the enemy and all that crazy stuff happens. Uh, We've got... A lot of stuff going on as a church. You know, Rachel um, mentioned uh, the the outreach with the pantry. You guys know when we partnered with them, we helped provide food, Thanksgiving meals, for well over four, knocking on 500 families in the Douglasville area. Is that awesome or what? That's just great. We ought to give God praise for that. Um, So, yeah, they're uh, decorating and stuff for for Christmas tomorrow uh, here at the church. We're going to do our best to make it look cool. But another thing happening this this week is going to be the Saturday after Thanksgiving. We've been able to partner with a great recovery ministry here in Douglasville called All Recovery. Um, works with the Haven and also with the Nichols Center. We're partnering with them to do a Thanksgiving outreach out of our church this week. And we have already got, listen to this guys, we have already got over 60 people registered and signed up for this Thanksgiving outreach here at our church. They're going to be able to come in. People who normally wouldn't have a Thanksgiving meal are going to be able to come in, have Thanksgiving, receive a little bit of ministry, and know that God loves them this Saturday. How awesome is that going to be? Just great. So your church is busy. Your church is busy reaching people. So I say that to say, hey, if you're free this Saturday and in town and you just want to volunteer to serve some food, or just sit at a table and hang out and love on some people that really haven't experienced love in a long time, uh, this would be a great opportunity for you to do that. And all you really have to do is just show up and we'll put you to work. Um, and it's going to be great. So let's go ahead, though, and dive into this message today. Uh, how many of y'all are on social media? Pretty much everybody is. Really, if, you, if you're not, you're almost kind of the oddball out because I, I like social media and I hate it all at the same time. Know what I mean? Because it's like a cool way to keep track of all your friends and see what's going on and, and communicate with them. And as a pastor, it's cool to have that as a tool because 
I can keep up with, with what's going on in people's lives in the church. And if something comes up, they don't always call the church office, but usually when people are going through some stuff, they'll post it on Facebook or something, and we can see it and know to pray for people or contact them. So it's a cool way to, uh, to keep up with people that way. And I love the memes. I love some of the memes that come up, especially this time of the year. You got all kinds of crazy turkey memes and Christmas memes, and then people saying, don't forget Thanksgiving. Like, I'm a Thanksgiving rights kind of guy because I think Thanksgiving gets skipped over a lot. It gets skipped over a lot. And I'm sorry, all you Christmas people. Hey, I like to follow la 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 too and all that stuff. But listen, Thanksgiving matters. Thanksgiving matters. And uh, uh, not just because it's the time for us to give thanks for our country, but um, and thanks to God for his provision in our lives. But Thanksgiving matters because, dang, how can, you, how can you not like the food? Dude, how many of y'all like to eat? My goodness. Yeah, I love Thanksgiving, getting together with family and all of that. Um, so I see the back and forth on, on social media with that, you know. But how many of y'all got like that one person on your friends list? that just annoys the snot out of you. You know what I mean? Like you friended them or they friended you or, or however, however it went, and, and you may not even be close to them or not, but they're just always posting stuff that gets under your skin. Like they're just a little too political or they're just a little too negative or they're just a little too much into whatever their cause is. You know, save the puppies. Every post is about puppies. And I'm so sick of looking at puppies. I like puppies, but I'm really starting to want to kick a puppy because you're posting about puppies all the time. You know, there's those kind of people that just get on the pogo stick and, and they just get annoying. And I, Some of those people... Too much political stuff, too much negativity, too much, you know, whatever. It starts to get under my skin. And I figured out something. I had a choice in what I look at or look, like, or look at on, uh, on social media. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you of y'all realize this yet, but you can, like, keep on scrolling past stuff. And you don't have to camp out on something and get aggravated at it. You can just keep on scrolling down through that stuff, you know. You don't have to hop on and respond to everything that you disagree with on Facebook or on Instagram. There's freedom in saying that I felt something lift in the place this morning. Maybe that helps somebody online. You don't have to comment on everything. You don't have to have an opinion about every God-blessed thing in life. There's freedom in that, you know. But if those people keep posting and keep aggravating, you know, and sometimes just scrolling past stuff and seeing it, it's just like, ah, grates against, just grates against me sometimes. You know, there's a little thing you can click on Facebook that says snooze. And you can just snooze. Have y'all used snooze before? Oh, it feels so good to hit the snooze button and know that you're not going to have to see any posts from that person for the next 30 days unless you choose to go to their page. Freedom in that, you know, and and if that's not enough, you can unfollow somebody and still be friends with them, so you don't have that awkward like phone call or text message. Like, what do I do? Why why aren't we friends on Facebook anymore? The whole world has stopped turning. We got to fix this. You know, you don't have to have that that weird conversation. You can just unfollow them, still be friends, and not see any of their posts unless you choose to go to their page. I've unfollowed a ton of people. Especially during this election season, oh, I have unfollowed a ton of people on Facebook. You know, we're still friends, but I'm just not going to follow all that crap because I don't need that in my life. 
I don't need it, man. I got enough to worry about in real world. You know what I mean? I got real world bills. I got real world problems. I got real world issues that I'm dealing with. So when I hop on pretend world Facebook, I don't need that kind of drama or extra stuff in my life, you know? Um, But if it keeps going, you know what you can do? You can drop the nuclear bomb and you can just unfriend somebody. Completely shut it off. No more input, no more nothing from that person. And you can still post what you want to post, and you don't have to worry about seeing that. No arguments, no awkward discussions for anybody else to read. It's just crazy. I'm not preaching on social media, but I kind of am right now. There's freedom in that. You can just unfriend and be done with it and cut it out. Cut out the negativity, cut out the frustration, just cut out all that junk and remove it from your life. And I was thinking, that kind of parallels over to our walk with God pretty well, though. Because how many of you know there's some stuff in our lives that we'd probably be better off just unfriending and walking away from? You know what I mean? And, and one of those things, and this is what we're going to be talking about this morning, is sin. Okay? We can just unfriend sin and walk away from it and never look back so that we don't have that distraction, that negativity, that grating against our spirit, that thing that's going to pull us away from our walk with God and everything that we can do. We can just unfriend it, cut it off. And move on. How many of you would think it would be awesome just to click the button and unfriend that stuff and move on and never deal with it again in your life? Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be awesome. I think the reality is, though, that we have a lot of difficulty doing that because we're people and we live in a fallen world where there's sin. Okay? And a lot of people are confused over the word sin. I want to teach you for a little bit this morning and present some stuff to you that you probably have not thought about in a long time. Sin, people think, is if you sin, then you're breaking one of the 850,000 rules that God says that you should not break, and that is sin. And if you sin, then you are doing one of the 650,000 things the devil wants you to do in life. You know, that's sin. This is what sin actually means. Sin is an archery term. It means to miss the mark. That's all it means. Just to miss the mark. It means that we miss the mark of God's standard. What's God's standard? Holiness, righteousness, and perfection spiritually in our lives. We miss that mark. Okay. So really, listen... It doesn't really matter what we do. We still miss the mark. Sin or not sin, sin is to miss the mark. And whether we're committing sin or we're not committing sin, we still miss the mark because in and of ourselves, we are not enough to measure up to God's standard. You know that's the truth, right? Take a deep breath and go, wow. There's a little bit of pressure that comes off when you think about that. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't make an effort We don't try to grow in our walk with God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying is none of us measure up. And actually, if you look at uh, Romans chapter 3, we're going to get into this this morning. Romans 3, verse 23. I'm talking about sin. It says this. For all have sinned. means all have missed the mark. Every one of us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, there's two things being said in this Uh, passage of scripture okay one is that 
every single one of us has sinned. We have all missed the mark somewhere in our past. Okay, that's a past tense statement. For all have sinned. We have all committed sin in our lives. Every one of us. How many of you would say, yeah, Pastor Josh, I have sinned in my life. Some of y'all need to be raising two hands and two feet right now. All right, especially in the back. You guys sitting in the back, all the, all the sinners and, and all the problem makers are always sitting in the back of the church. Uh, two hands, two feet, nodding your head, all that stuff. You know, you know, Larry, I think, just fell over trying to get all of his limbs up in the air back there. You see, we have all sinned, but it says here, look at the second half of this, and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned in the past and, and fall short. That is like a statement that starts today and goes on unending into the future. We've all sinned, but we all continue to fall short of the glory of God. That's what that Bible says right there. We've all made mistakes in the past, and we're all going to fall short of God's standard and glory going into the future because we're not enough in and of ourselves. We blew it. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they blew it for all of us. We've all been born into sin since then. Every, most anybody that understands the basics of Christianity understands that. I get that. But this is huge. This is huge for us this morning. We have all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God in ourselves. Okay? There's another word that I want us to look at this morning, and it's not sin, it's relationship. It's relationship. This is another thing that people are confused on when it comes to God. When people think about God, they think of somebody abstract 10 million miles away. They think of a deity that has a whole lot of rules, that can't wait to blast somebody that messes up, who, by the way, also sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins. Okay, when you think of God, I want you to think one word, relationship. Relationship. That is his whole agenda towards us, relationship. Since the beginning, when he created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, okay, he created them to have somebody to hang out with. The Bible even says that he walked with Adam in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. He would just walk. How cool would that be to walk and talk with the eternal God? Talk and shop. You know, I wonder if they went fishing. You know what I mean? I wonder, I wonder if they hung out and just talked shop about whatever. You know, like, what do you talk to God about? Like, you know, it, is God a kidder? Does he like to talk some smack? You know, I mean, what, that, how does that all play out? Walking and talking and hanging out because God desires relationship. The whole reason he sent Jesus to this earth to die for our sins was to restore that relationship that was destroyed because of sin. When we sinned in the garden, we missed the mark and it caused a wedge in that relationship because an, a holy and righteous God cannot have sin in his presence. And when we sinned, we chose, we made that mistake. It put a wedge between the relationship that God wanted to have with us. And when we sin today, it does the same thing. We miss the mark and it puts a wedge in the relationship that God desires to have with us. He's always wanted to have a relationship with us. And you see, even before he sent Jesus, like he 
put his presence in the Ark of the Covenant. You ever heard of the Ark of the Covenant? That's what he put his presence in the Ark, and the people of Israel would carry the Ark around, you know, and God's presence would go with them wherever they went. And if you touched the Ark and you, were, you had sin in your life or you were uh, unholy, it would, you would be killed because you were unclean. And sin and uncleanness cannot come into contact with the presence of a holy and righteous God. So he went from the Ark of the Covenant to a tent of meetings where they would put the Ark, and he had a new home in this tent so that he could be close to us and dwell with us. You see that? All through the Bible, you see God reaching out to have that relationship with us again. And even when they established the temple, the presence of God came down from heaven and resided in the Holy of Holies. And they set up, you know, they set up the old temple, the outer courts, the inner courts, and the Holy of Holies. And you could bring your offering in and offer it up to God. But nobody could go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God was. So while he was still like dwelling with us, he was separate from us because of the sin in our lives. And get this, it wasn't so much... Um, it wasn't so much because he couldn't be with us. He did it for his, our protection because if the raw presence of God were to be turned loose in an environment full of sin, the sin has to be destroyed. So while he was with us, he was protecting us. And the, the Holy of Holies was separated from the rest of the temple by this thing called a veil or a curtain. And you know how thick this thing was? It was over a foot thick. That's a lot of thread. What's the thread count on that? That's a lot of material over a foot thick to separate the presence of God from us. And then God decided to finally, once and for all, fix the, fix the problem and become the solution. And the Bible says that the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's what we're getting really ready to celebrate going into this Christmas season. Not before Thanksgiving, though, but Christmas is coming. Okay? Um, but, but he became flesh and dwelt among us, and he rose... He, he raised people from the dead, and he healed blind eyes, and, and he healed the lame, and, and he preached repentance, and he showed people how to receive forgiveness. And he went to the cross as the ultimate sacrifice to pay the price for that sin. And when he breathed his last breath, the Bible says, and some of you guys know this, the Bible says that the veil in that temple was ripped into all one foot thick of it was ripped into from the top to the bottom from God to us because he says you guys can't get to me right now but I'm going to come to you and when Jesus died and he said it is finished it was finished and God paid the price the ultimate price the ultimate sacrifice to see that relationship restored between him and us praise God for that he is all about relationship and God he is so madly and passionately in love with each and every one of us this morning and wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. Each and every one of us. That's why he sent his son to die for us, okay? Now, now check this out. Jesus didn't just come to die for us, though, to forgive us of our sins. We get forgiveness of sin through Jesus' sacrifice when we accept him as our Lord and Savior. But... God did something in that work on the cross that a lot of people don't realize. In Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 18, we read these words. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. You have been set free from sin. 
Set free. Everybody say free. Free. Uh, free. Set free from sin. Before Jesus died on the cross, sin had complete control over us. Before you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, sin had complete control over you. You had no choice in the matter. The Bible says that sin was your master. It controlled you. You had no say in the matter. But when Jesus died, and when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we, for, we receive that forgiveness that he purchased on that cross. Listen, when he died on that cross, didn't just die for our forgiveness from sin. He died so that we could have freedom from sin itself. Freedom from sin itself. When he rose from the dead, the Bible says that he came back up with the keys of death hell and the grave. When he rose up, he rose up with all power, all authority, complete victory. And then he gave that to us. He broke not just the, the, the hold of sin in our lives and the effect of sin on our lives, but he broke sin's power over our lives. There should be a little more amen in this church this morning. He broke sin's power over our lives. I'm going to wake y'all up. When we take it, we stop for a second. Everybody go get a double shot of espresso and come back in, and then we'll pray for a little bit. And everybody get some Holy Ghost, and everybody wake up. Listen, he paid the price for us to be free from sin. Free from sin, okay? Now, listen, here's what people don't realize, and here's the cop-out, okay? After Christ, after we've received Jesus as our Lord and Savior... And we've experienced that forgiveness, and we have now been freed from sin. When we sin from that point on, we sin because we choose to do it. Choose to do it. Well, I just, I don't understand why I keep sinning. Well, we're going to talk about that here in just a second. But the bottom line is we choose to do it because we are free from the hold of sin on our lives. Completely free. That relationship was restored through the work of the cross. And, and in a way, it's almost like we're Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden before they ever sinned. Forgiven of the sin, restored in our spirits, completely free of the hold of sin in our lives. Free to choose whatever we want to choose to do. Not a slave to sin anymore. Jesus restored us back to the place. So the question is, and this is my question because I know I'm preaching freedom and I'm preaching Jesus' forgiveness this morning. And this sounds so awesome because we're all supposed to be super spiritual heroes right now, right? And never make a mistake and never struggle. And potentially it's there. But the reality is a lot of us deal with struggle internally inside of us. So if we're free from sin, the $20 question for this morning is, why do we sin? Why do we still deal with it? Why do we still wrestle with it? And why is it still a tool that can be used by the enemy to attack the foundation of our relationship with God to put us back into bondage, ineffective and unproductive in the kingdom of God? Well, the answer is in the Bible. James chapter 1. Still laying some foundation this morning. James chapter 1, starting at verse 13. says, when tempted, no one should say, 
God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they, now pay attention to this, when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Whose desires open the door for temptation? Ours. Ours. Our desires. It says, then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. So if I'm set free from sin... And Jesus has forgiven me, and I'm what the Bible calls a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Why in the world then do I have desires in me that open up the door for the enemy to come in and tempt the desires that are already in me, to use those as temptations to entice me to the place where I choose to follow through with it and commit the sin? See, he's got the easiest job in the world. He gives us what we already want inside of us. He gives us what we're already craving. He gives us what we're already predispositioned to go towards. He just puts it right in front of us. Man, it's like you're eating healthy and just crushing the diet for six weeks. And then he puts that delicious cheesecake right in front of you. Man, I'm crushing that diet. I'm telling too much truth this morning, aren't I? Crushing it, crushing that diet, but inside I want the cheesecake. And then he puts the cheesecake in front of you. You know what I'm going to do if I'm six weeks into a diet and somebody puts a cheesecake in front of me? I'm probably going to eat the cheesecake. Say, thank you, God, for the cheesecake that I'm about to eat, you know, because I want the cheesecake. He puts what we desire in front of us. That's how he works. That's how he operates. So the question is, If we're saved, if Jesus has done this for us, why do we got these jacked up desires inside of us that the enemy's able to use against us? You ever ask that question? I have. I have. Paul went into great detail with it in Romans chapter 7. He's like, why am I so jacked up? Why am I so messed up right now? Because I want to do good, but I got this junk inside of me that wants nothing to do with God, that's craving to do the opposite of what God is leading me to do. And I got this conflict and war going on inside of me. I'll take some time to read that. It's kind of liberating to see a powerhouse like Paul, okay, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, who planted church after church after church, who went up to the third heaven, Okay, who prayed for people and saw him healed. Paul, who turned this world upside down for Jesus, that guy was wrestling with this desire thing inside of him. Okay, so here's why. Because before we were saved, we were what the Bible calls spiritually dead. Ephesians chapter 2 bears that out. It says, Before Christ, we were dead on the inside. And when we accepted Jesus, that we became alive spiritually on the inside. That's why I always say that Jesus doesn't take bad people and make them good people. He takes spiritually dead people and brings them to life on the inside. Okay? It's not about being good. It's about a relationship with Jesus. So so before we're saved, we're dead on the inside. Okay? After we're saved, the Spirit comes alive on the inside of us. 
we know from Second Thessalonians, it says that we have a body, a soul, and we have a spirit. And here's the deal. Our body, everybody look at your hands. Okay, there's your body. That's that flesh. That's that stuff. Now, probably, just like me, you have had your body with you most of your life. All right? Probably been with you um, most of your life. Your soul you've had with you. That's where we know from the Bible. That's where your mind, your will, and your emotions are. Okay? When we're born, we have a body. When we're born, we have a soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. I know you think some people were born without a mind. Maybe. I don't know. But the Bible says mind, will, and emotion. Okay? Our spirit does not come to life until later in life when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay? Now, that's, that's going into some theological stuff without getting so deep that we drowned this morning. Okay? I want you to understand this because we're going to go somewhere with this this morning. Okay? trying to teach you. I'm trying to equip you to understand why this works, how this works, so that in understanding the process, we can spot it while it's happening and kill it before it manifests, okay? Um, We've got this conflict inside of us. When we're saved, our spirit wants to please God, okay? But if you've had your mind all of your life, what are you going to have in your mind? You're going to have memories, right? If you've had your body all of your life, then what are you going to have? Those cravings that you've had since you've been born. So it's weird because there's a division inside of us between the new creation that we are and the old self, like the Bible calls our old way of life or that old man or our flesh, okay, that has been with us. Living in sin our entire life until we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. When we accept Jesus, we still got all the memories, all the cravings, all the desires, all that history, all that history. And when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you get forgiven from all the sin. That's great. But you don't get to go back in time and not date all the people that you dated before you met Jesus. I know some of us wish we could, right? Amen on that. You don't get to go back in time and fix all that stuff. It's set and it's affected you. You don't get to go back and take out the moments of hurt and pain and disappointment. You've experienced all of that. So it comes with you into this new relationship with Jesus. This is where the desires come from that the enemy tempts us with to get us to go back into that old way of life. He's not tempting your spirit. He's tempting those old desires inside of you. And he's throwing out the same bait, and using the same stuff that held us in bondage all of our lives until Jesus set us free, okay? So if your issue was sex, he's going to present sex to you because that old desire is still there, okay? If your issue is you being alone and you've always got to have somebody there to try to, he's going to go back to that insecurity and tempt that thing and tempt that thing, and tempt that thing, because that thing was the thing and the issue in your life. Is it making sense? So that's what he's going to do. He's going to go back to it over and over and over again and use that desire against us. So here's the deal, and this is, this is like the one sentence 
plain English thought for this morning on everything that I've just said, okay, and I want you to understand this. Foundational truth in your walk with God is this, is that if you are in Christ, your battle isn't with sin. The battle's with the temptation to get you to choose sin again. Okay? Well, I'm just wrestling and struggling with sin. Not after Jesus, you're not. Not after Jesus, you're not. You are free from sin. Okay? The issue and the struggle is with the temptation that the enemy's using to get those old desires to lead you back to who you used to be. Back to what's comfortable, back to the area of sin. Now, does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. And, and this is how he, he usually works. In this process of temptation, in this process of, of kind of fishing at our desires to see what we're going to bite on, he uses three tactics. He's going to use the bait, he's going to use the hook, and he's going to use the cycle. The bait, the hook, and the cycle. Every single time I brought my cheap little fishing rod with me this morning. Call this my hurricane rod because we got it. Me and Dad bought uh, one just like each other, uh, one for each of us. It's a cheap little Zebco 33 thing we bought at Walmart. You know, it's not a fancy rod or anything like that. Call it the hurricane rod because we went uh, to the beach for vacation late one year for our birthdays, and this hurricane came in, and we had to evacuate. So we decided instead of canceling vacation, we just go to the lake and run a little cabin and have the rest of our vacation there. So we went there, but we wanted to fish. We didn't have anything to fish with because we were just coming from the beach to the lake. So we went and bought these cheap little rods to fish with while we were there. So it's my hurricane rod. On the end of this rod is what? It's a lure. A lure, a lure, a lure. There's a cheap little hula popper that I've got. I'm going to lay this right here. Hopefully I'm not going to mess stuff up this morning. The devil's going to use all kinds of bait to get us to bite. Bait's the temptation. I got all kinds of baits here. This is a whole bunch of top water lures that I brought from the house. I'm going to show you guys something. This is insane. Now this is called a double horse. Top water lure. And it's got three treble hooks on it. Three hooks apiece. That's nine hooks. You know how many fish I've seen hit this thing and just blow it up on the water and not get hooked? Defies the laws of physics, man. I just don't I'll see how that works. But the, the devil will use all of these lures and all these baits against us, you know, and, and he's always going to go back to whatever the vice was before we were saved every time. Now, be honest. How many of you would say this morning that when I'm tempted to sin and maybe even sometimes when you do sin it's usually over something that you've struggled with for most of your life or all of your life he's going to take the lure that we're familiar with and try to get us to bite on the same stuff over and over again because it's inside of us that desire is inside of us so he tries to use our desires against us to hook us and pull us into sin Any kind of bait, drugs, alcohol, whatever it was that we went to to get some kind of release or escape, 
before we had Jesus to be the source of peace in our life. He's going to get us to do that. Now, here's where it gets interesting. He presents the bait to us. I need a fish this morning. Uh, Russell, can you come be a fish for me this morning? All right. As a big, hey, when I go fishing, I don't want to catch no little fish. So stay right there, Russell. So he's going to present a bait that Russell's going to want as a fish. I'm going to kind of throw it out there to you. Boom. All right. Now, I'm going to pop this thing, pop this thing. This is the way the devil will present this stuff to us. He's going to show us what we want to see. Russell's going to hit that lure. Just boom. He's got it. Now, as soon as Russell takes the bait, what am I going to do? Bow! I want to set that hook. I'm going to try to take that hook and pull it through his head. That's what I'm going to do. Bam! I'm going to set that hook in him. And when I set the hook, now I've got him. And here's what the enemy does. He shows us the bait based on our desires to get us to take it. And when we bite on it, he sets the hook. And now he's got us back in bondage. Now, this is an illegitimate bondage, though. Okay, this is illegitimate control. Because we, now, in this situation right now, who has the authority? The devil working the fishing pole who's hooked Russell, or Russell who's free in Christ, who chose to take the bait? Who's got the authority once he's hooked? Russell's still got the authority. What the devil's doing is illegitimate. So, I might fight with Russell just a little bit, but if I'm smart and this is what the devil will do, he'll get some slack. And Russell, why don't you walk up here and then go over here. Russell can go wherever he wants to go. And Russell can think he's free until I'm ready to snag him back where I want him to be. Okay? It looks like freedom, but it's not freedom. Russell can go down the center aisle He's choosing to do it. He's taking the stroll, going through life, no issues, no problems, serving God, but I got him hooked. And I can pull him back anytime that I want to. And this is what the devil does. If we take the bait, he sets the hook, and he gives us the illusion of freedom for a season. But he's got the control because the hook is set in our mouths. And we can go wherever we want to, and he'll let us go as far as he's comfortable with letting us go until we get ready to cross that threshold of growth where God wants us to go, who God is leading us to become. When we cross over that, 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 next, little, that next little thing into this next level of relationship that God is leading us into as we're growing and we're maturing, the devil wants to keep us from that. So he's going to, bam, pull back on that hook and keep Russell from going where God wants him to go. This is called bondage. This is called a stronghold. That's what the Bible calls a stronghold. Hooks that the enemy sets because we allow him to do it because we take the bait that he puts in front of us to entice us because of the desires of our old nature instead of choosing the new nature in Christ. The battle is over the temptation, guys. It's over the temptation. Russell has the authority so at any point, Russell can say, God, I repent for the sin, the sin in my life. I repent from the sin. I don't want it. I want you, Jesus. Please forgive me. Please restore me. God, I choose your freedom over this old junk in my life right now. And Russell can let go of that anytime he wants to. 
and walk away in real freedom. In real freedom. Now this is what this is what this is what God has called us to do in our lives. Okay? To get free and live in that freedom. But I've only given you two. Okay? I've given you the bait and I've given you the hook. But it's the cycle. It's the cycle that keeps most people in bondage in their life. Are you guys still with me? All right. I'm giving you something this morning that will radically impact your walk with God if you will just apply it to your life. The cycle is where the enemy gets you. The cycle, the same process over and over and over again. How do you beat the bait and the hook? Like, how, how do you get past that? Because the devil's using your own desires against you. He's using my own desires against me. How do we get past all of that and operate in what's real freedom in our lives? How do we get past all of that stuff? And here's just a real simple solution, okay? This is going to sound so churchy and so easy that you're going to go, why did I come to church this morning to hear this? I promise, listen to me now, so simple, grow in your relationship with Jesus. This whole thing is about relationship, guys. It's relationship. God wants a relationship. Your freedom is in your relationship. Here's why. Okay? The struggle is over what? The temptation. Okay? The enemy uses desires against us. But this is what I know. That the more time... I read the Word of God. And the more time I spend in prayer, and the more time I'm just hanging out with Jesus, like Adam hung out with God in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day, just hanging out, building that relationship. The Bible says that something is happening on the inside of me. The Bible says that when I'm spending time with God, that he is working on the inside of me, fulfilling his righteousness in me each and every day as I draw closer to him. And as I draw closer to God, I'm becoming more and more like him as he changes me from the inside out. This is why I hate religion. If you hang around here, you're going to hear me say, I hate religion because religion focuses on an outside-in approach. And it says that if you act a certain way, if you talk a certain way, if you can discipline yourself to not do things, then that will help you get closer to God. Jesus says something completely different. He says, if you will just hang out with me and let me work on you, I will change you from the inside out so you don't have to wear yourself out trying to be something you're not, I will transform you into that person that I've called you to be if you'll just give me the opportunity to work inside of you. As we let Jesus change us and work us on the inside and form us and grow us into that person, here's what happens. Our desires begin to change. We begin to want what Jesus wants. We begin to capture his heart. His heart becomes our heart. His thoughts become our thoughts. And his word takes root in our spirit and begins to produce the fruit 
of the Spirit in our lives, and we see a change happen in us that affects our desires and changes us from the inside out. So when the devil comes to throw that bait in front of us, to fish around in an old desire, if we've been hanging out with Jesus, those desires have changed, and the appeal of that bait has lost its pull. We don't want it anymore. We want Jesus. Does that make sense? Relationship. It's relationship. If your desires change, he can't use them against you. Now, that doesn't mean that that struggle is never going to stop or ever going to stop because we're always going to be in a process of growth while we're on this side of eternity. That's what the Bible says, but this is what I know that we can grow, that we can mature, and we can get closer to God and become that person he's called us to be. And it's amazing how the things that used to to just pull don't have the pull anymore because of what God's done on the inside of us. Now, that's it. It's the growth. It's the growth. But the cycle is designed to stop the growth. The bait that the enemy uses, the purpose of it, is to stop the growth in our relationship with God. Are y'all following me this morning? If he can keep us chasing the same bait and neglecting our relationship with God, he's got us right where he wants us, and he can hook us and do whatever he wants to with us, okay? If he can keep us in the same cycle of repenting, receiving forgiveness, and then taking that same bait again and repenting and forgiving receiving forgiveness and then going back after the old bait again and repenting and receiving. This is where most Christians live their lives in this cycle right here because we are not focused on growing closer to God because the enemy's too busy distracting us with the allure of the bait of how we used to live our lives and what used to work for us in our past. Crazy how we keep going back. When God was bringing the people of Israel out of Egypt, okay, he brought them out of slavery to bring them into freedom. They went all the way to the banks of the Jordan River. All the way to the banks of the Jordan River. All the way to being able to look across the river and see the promised land that God said he was going to bring them into. They could see the promise. They saw it right there. But because they received some bad reports from some spies, listen to their line of thought. In spite of everything that God had done, in spite of all the victories God had given them, in spite of being set free from Egypt and free from that slavery and looking at the promise, they actually started to say this, we need to pick a new leader for ourselves, get rid of this Moses guy, and we need to go back to Egypt. On the banks of the Jordan, we need to go back to Egypt. God brought us all the way here to destroy us. That's what they were thinking. Well, in Egypt, at least we had food. In Egypt, at least we had shelter. In Egypt, at least we didn't have to worry about getting killed by these armies of this city 
called Jericho that I'm looking at right over here. In Egypt, the way that it was, it was a lot better because it was comfortable. It was familiar. There wasn't any risk there. See, they forgot about the whips on their backs. They forgot that their children weren't their own children. They were possessions. They could be freely swapped around to anybody in Egypt. They forgot they had no freedom. They forgot how bad they were treated by the Egyptians. They forgot about the bondage that they were in. They just wanted to go back to something familiar and comfortable. That's the whole trap of the enemy. It's the whole trap of the enemy. And I was looking at the life of Jesus and looking at how the enemy tempted him. You know, Jesus actually only rebuked Satan like one-on-one direct twice. Really? Now he dealt with demons and spirits and people, but he only dealt with Satan twice. Once in the wilderness and then once towards the end of his ministry. Remember when Peter said, hey, look, uh, Jesus was talking about how he was fixing to have to die and how he's fixing to have to go to the cross and how he's fixing to have to be sacrificed. And Peter said, whoa, 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 dude. Nuh-uh. You're not going to have to do any of that stuff. You have to do any of it. And Jesus looked at him and said, ah, get behind me, Satan. I know your voice. You just got a different face right now. I thought it was interesting that Satan was tempting Jesus pretty hard in the wilderness and on the verge of what he was called to do with his life. Two major points of growth in the development of Jesus and his ministry before his public ministry started and before Jesus was fixing to go to the cross. The enemy came in to tempt to try to create a cycle and Jesus shot him down. And I thought, you know what, in our own lives, didn't that usually when temptation is hitting the hardest, it's in those dry times, those desert times, when God is growing and preparing and when we're getting cut in places we don't want to get cut, when God's pruning to make us more fruitful and productive in his kingdom, when he's taking us through those times of, of stretching, when the growth is there, that's usually when the bait is presented so that we get to the banks of the Jordan River and God's trying to cross us over into this next journey, this next season of ministry, of relationship, of victory, of seeing him prove himself faithful. And the enemy tries to present the bait to keep us in the cycle of wanting to continue to go back to Egypt. Wanting to go back to what's comfortable, wanting to go back to what's familiar, wanting to go back to, it's funny to me how he hits in those times. The bait, the hook, or the cycle. Hey, Eastgate, everybody watching online, listen, I've been in ministry more than a day. And what I see Christians dealing with most in their lives is this right here. It's this right here. It's the bait, the hook, and the cycle. Because God is trying to move us forward in a process of growth and development to become more like him through that relationship that he died to restore. 
And the enemy's trying to use the bait from our old way of life to keep that from happening. Because if he does, he can keep us ineffective and unproductive in our walk with God. And while we might be able to receive forgiveness from Jesus, we'll never be able to step into the freedom that's already ours through Jesus. And we're not going to be able to reach or impact anybody for the kingdom of God because we're going to be too caught up in our own struggles and our own weaknesses and our own battles with those desires. Instead of becoming who God's called us to be, that unstoppable force on this earth for him. The enemy keeps us looking at the bait. He keeps hooking us to keep us in the cycle over and over and over again. I see more people struggle with this than should. How about today? We do a couple of things. How about today? How about today? We choose to turn away from the bait. How about today? We reclaim our freedom and we get set free from the hook. And how about we walk out of here and complete and in total victory spiritually in our lives and we break the repetitive cycle of sin and deception in our lives and move forward into who God has called us to be in relationship with him relationship with him now see that's the difference between religion and relationship I could have jumped up here this morning and I could have given you 30 things that the Bible calls sin and I could have yelled and screamed and turned red in my face and made you feel so guilty for the stuff that you're struggling with in your life but Jesus didn't have that approach when he was here why do we take that approach in church Jesus presented solutions to the problems out of a motive of love to restore relationship again with people. And that's what we're doing here this morning. I'm giving you the pieces to the puzzle to understand why the desire is there, to understand how the process takes place, to see it for what it is. And now we're gonna choose to step out into the freedom that Jesus purchased for us through relationship. Because if we let God work on us from the inside, then it takes care of all the issues on the outside. And if he changes our desires, the devil's got a whole lot less to try to use against us.